The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. If you want the answers, you're in the right place at the right time. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies to help you gain control over your life with MS using only the best insights, advice, and research from top industry experts. Not only that, you'll learn MS-specific exercises and tips to stay consistent, motivated, and inspired. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the show. I am so excited to have Dr. Aaron Boster back with us. Thanks for being here. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for having me back. Of course, we had such a great response from our first episode that we recorded together. So if you guys haven't listened to that, definitely head back over and check there. But today we're going to be talking about something that is a little bit more intimate and can sometimes be a touchy subject for a lot of people, yet it's something that you love talking about. And I feel like you're always able to make it a little bit more lighthearted and easy to understand without being so intense. So we're going to be diving into sexual dysfunction, bladder dysfunction, all those topics that are just as important as talking about fatigue and weakness. I'm excited to dive into those. Before we do, I'm going to do a brief bio and then ask you a fun question. So for those of you who don't know, Dr. Aaron Boster is a board-certified neurologist specializing in multiple sclerosis and related central nervous system inflammatory disorders. He decided to become an MS doctor at age 12 as he watched his uncle Mark suffer from the disease in an era before treatment was available. Dr. Boster grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and attended undergraduate at Oberlin College. He earned his MD at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and completed an internship in internal medicine and residency in neurology at the University of Michigan. He then completed a two-year fellowship in clinical neuroimmunology at Wayne State University. Since then, Dr. Boster has intimately involved in the care of people impacted by multiple sclerosis. He has been a principal investigator in numerous clinical trials, trained multiple MS doctors and nurse practitioners, and has been published extensively in medical journals. He lectures to both patients and providers worldwide with a mission to educate, energize, and empower people impacted by MS. He lives in Columbus, Ohio with his wife, Chrissy, son, Maxwell, and daughter, Betty May. So thank you again for being back. Oh my goodness. Thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. Of course. So between now and the last time that we talked, I got these fun cards. They're called Fresh Content Guarantee Interview Deck (laughs) Pod Deck. So we're going to lighten up the spirits first. I'm just going to randomly pull one. There's you're the first person I've used these with, but they're supposed to be interesting cards. So we'll see what happens. I can't wait. All right. So first card. What do you consider is the most important piece of furniture in a house? Oh wow. (laughs) Um, Communal table. Uh, for the whole family, for friends, for guests. That's probably where meals will occur. That's where decisions will be made. 
That's where fun will be had. And so it's not unique to one family member. It sort of represents the home. So I'm going to go with table. Oh, I like that. That's a great answer. All right. So leading into our topic of the day, I guess we should first start with what are the different types of sexual dysfunction that can occur with multiple sclerosis? I like your uh, jumping uh, headfirst approach. (laughs) Um, If we take one small step back, we recognize, as you mentioned during our introduction, that people impacted by MS can have anything in their body go awry that's linked to their central nervous system. So whatever functions the central nervous system has could potentially become a problem. And that includes what I typically refer to as the down there's. So the, you know, the down there's, the down there's being bowel, bladder, and sexual function, because if there is damage to the descending spinal cord, or if there's damage to certain sections of the brain, you can develop problems with the circuitry that runs your stuff, you know, the down there's. And I 100% agree with you. This is a super, super important problem in part because it's not uncommon, but also in part because very, very um, significant to see an upset, unhappy adult make them have trouble with the down there's bowel, bladder, sexual function, and they will really have their quality of life, unfortunately, plummet. Now, the third reason that it's super important that we're having this conversation is because not only is it somewhat common and not only does it negatively impact quality of life, but thirdly, and most importantly, it's stigmatizing. You don't want to talk about peeing your pants in your thirties and forties or not being able to poop for two weeks in your fifties or having pain when your spouse touches your personal private parts or inability to achieve orgasm despite hours of effort. So that's, I think, an important um, point to just put out there. Now, once we've stated that and we get into the down there's, we talk about sexual dysfunction and you're right. It's a topic that I think is all too often something doctors are nervous about. I've heard doctors say, oh, I would never discuss that. Um, you know, that's none of my business. Well, I have a goal of helping people with MS live their best life. And last I checked, um, a good solid orgasm is a great way to optimize quality of life, right? <laughs> so I think making sure that people have adequate function is not a bad gig. And we have to start to understand sexual dysfunction if we're going to turn it around and make it better, because we can turn it around and make it better. I like to divide sexual dysfunction in the three categories or three underlying causes, primary, secondary, and tertiary sexual dysfunction. So primary sexual dysfunction is caused by difficulties or excuse me, damage to the central nervous system that supplies circuitry. So physical damage to the spinal cord or the brain causing your stuff not to work. We'll get into what that means in a second. Mm-hmm. But the point is primary sexual dysfunction is a problem with the circuitry, the nervous system. Secondary sexual dysfunction is not a problem with the circuitry of sex. It's when secondary symptoms interfere with sex. For example, if you're getting your groove on and your leg goes into an extensor spasm, that's not very sexy. And that's going to interrupt the evening. If you, God forbid, are incontinent of urine during intercourse, that's not the best thing. Or even if you're just nervous about being incontinent of, inter, uh, of urine, you may not engage in intercourse. So 
These are examples of secondary sexual dysfunction. Pain is a common secondary sexual dysfunction issue, etc. Now, the tertiary sexual dysfunction is when psychologically you don't feel like a sexual being. You, you feel ill um, and you don't feel sexy or like you could be having sex. Mm-hmm. And very commonly, a person impacted by MS who is having trouble with the down there is having trouble with sexual dysfunction has more than one of those. It may be two or all three. Okay. Now we've talked a lot about sex, 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 but what exactly do I mean? All right. So I divide the act of intercourse neurologically into three categories. All right. So there's arousal and arousal, libido, these kind of terms are important to discuss for both men and women. And sometimes people don't know there's actually drugs for female low libido. There's actually medicines for that. Anyways, after you talk about arousal, then you get into the physiologic effects, typically the parasympathetic effects of arousal, meaning erection for a gentleman and uh, lubrication for a woman. So arousal, lubrication, and then ultimately uh, orgasm. And so when we talk to a human impacted by MS and they tell me that they're having troubles with the down theirs, these are the kind of explorations that we have to have to try to ferret through what's going on. Sorry, that was an excessively long-winded answer. I apologize to you. I love that. I, I mean, as a PT, I do the same thing when someone says, okay, well, my walking isn't great. I want to get better at my walking. There are so many components of walking and we really break it down. Well, is it the strength or is it the balance or is it the endurance? And so this, to me, this yeah. makes complete sense that we'd want to really figure out, well, where is the issue and, and what can we do about that? Exactly so, point. yeah, so we know there's three different categories. Once you've figured it out, which I'm assuming is your neurologist, the one that you would talk to about this to figure out which one it is. Um, your neurologist might, I would certainly would. Sometimes though, full disclosure, neurologists are a little skittish and they may dispatch you to the urologist, which is okay. Urologists are trained in this and you want to find a urologist. That's not just surgically minded. You want to find a urologist. That's a listener. And you might find a urologist that has expertise in men's issues or expertise in women's issues. The reason I say that is if they say they have a specialty in men's issues, they're going to deal with male sexual dysfunction. And if they say that they specialize in women's issues, they're probably going to specialize in all aspects, including sexual dysfunction. So you may end up talking to your urologist, uh, but I would still broach the topic with my neurologist. And I certainly welcome those conversations in my clinic. Yeah. And you're also the one who could then refer them to a urologist. Yep, exactly right. So you could have a situation where you, the person impacted by MS, say to your neurologist, I'm having trouble with the down there. I'm having trouble with sexual function. And they say, eek, ooh, ooh. And then you say, okay, fine. Would you send me to a urologist? And they'll say, okay. So you'll get yourself there. It just might not be through the neurologist right away. Right. And yeah, you know, as I think back, I've worked with a physical therapist in the past who was a pelvic floor specialized physical therapist, but she specialized in working with women. Yeah. Well, let's actually take a break from sexual dysfunction. What are your thoughts on pelvic floor physical therapy? 
Well, I do not think talking about pelvic floor physical therapy is taking a break from discussing sexual dysfunction. On the contrary, it is one of my secret weapons to optimize sexual dysfunction. Yes. So I'll admit to you, um, embarrassingly, that I didn't know about pelvic floor PT until probably only like 10 years ago. Like I, the, the first half of my, the first part of my career, I didn't know pelvic floor PT existed. Shame on me. And when I learned about pelvic floor PT, it was a massive game changer. Pelvic floor physical therapists are physical therapists like neuro-PT in my mind that go on to get extra training, except instead of studying the nervous system, they study the down there's. And one of my favorite pelvic floor physical therapists, a woman, a superb, brilliant, brilliant mind, always jokes and says, Aaron, you got to warn them. I'm going to get up in their business, you know, because they get you up in stirrups and they sometimes do a bimanual exam. But oh, my goodness gracious, they help you reactivate the pelvic floor and they optimize pooping and peeing and orgasming. And it's, it's really, really awesome. And I have to tell you this really funny story. The very first patient that I sent to PT, pelvic floor PT, after I learned it existed, a very special woman who has tremendous difficulty in the GU area, a lot of difficulties with dyspareunia, so pain with intercourse, incontinence of bowel and bladder. It was a real mess. It was like the biggest issue of her MS. And she had been to see gynecologists and gynourologists and urologists and had tubes and places and things done to her and blah, blah. So we sent her to pelvic floor PT and she sends me a text message. And I promise you, Gretchen, I kept the text message as long as humanly possible. But you know how a text will like fall off? I lost it. Right. But I remember it up here. And it said, Dr. B, thank you so much for sending me to Karina. That's the pelvic floor PT. Not only does sex no longer hurt, but I am now certain that I can crush beer cans with my lady parts. <laughs> and, I, and I thought that was awesome. So if you are listening to this podcast and you have trouble with the down there, bowel, bladder, sexual function, and you have not been to see a pelvic floor PT, I'm really glad that you're listening and get ye to the pelvic floor physical therapist because it's awesome. It's uh, truly a game changer. It really is. And as you said, too, I am always shocked at how many people don't know that they even exist. I've been mentioning it a lot lately because this conversation has been coming up a lot within the last year and they don't know. You know what we should do, you and I? Let's agree right now that in both of our social media platforms, we'll do some polls like this weekend. Like we'll do some polls saying, are you familiar with public for PD? Let's just see what happens and see like, I bet you that the vast majority of folks are not up on how awesome it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And I knew it was a unique specialization before I even graduated from PT school because we learned about it. But then about three years into being a PT was when I was able to actually work alongside one. And so I would just pick her brain and listen to the education she gave people. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. Brilliant. Yeah. She said, you know, I make Kegels look like child's play. You know, and it's um, it's pretty awesome. And we should be clear that it's for men and women. Like so pelvic floor physical therapy works for gentlemen as well. I've had some guys that thought it was only for ladies and that's not true. So a pelvic floor physical therapist can help gentlemen with bowel, bladder and sexual function as well. Absolutely. So I'm assuming that's actually one of the things that we can do about whether it's primary, secondary or tertiary sexual dysfunction, what other things, like what would, what would the next step be? Let's say someone either talks to their neurologist or urologist. What's next? I would say, so let's, if I receive someone in my clinic and we're trying to make Saturday night better, I'm going to start by 
taking a good look at mood because very commonly depression can massively tank uh, libido. So we're going to look at mood, look at anxiety and depression, and I'm going to want to treat that if necessary. I'm going to look at energy reserves and make sure that they have enough energy to engage in sex, like quite literally, like if, are they able to stay awake in the evenings even? Um, I'm going to look at their uh, medications to see if I have them on an SSRI, which is making sexual desire plummet or other medicines that might impair sex. So we're going to have to do a once over before we even get rocking and rolling, right? Gotcha. And, and that's not to be underappreciated because a lot of times polypharmacy and other medical medicine things can, can play a role. Now, we also need to talk about where's the issue arousal. I just, I don't care. I'm not interested. You know, I, I would rather watch TV and, and, or, you know, I I'm super interested, but you know, my will is not, you know, or, or I don't get adequately lubricated or what, what have you, or I, I'm excited. I get adequately lubricated or, you know, I get adequately erect. I can't orgasm to save, you know, the Pope. So we have to kind of pinpoint where issues are so that we can tackle them. Now, one of the best first low-hanging fruit things that I recommend is what I call the vibrator trick, right? And this was not taught to me in medical school. This was taught to me after several guys stole their wives' vibrators and made a, a fantastic discovery that I'll share with you. And I was <laughs> like, maybe people are onto something. Okay, so here's the dealio. I'm not talking about the rabbit, like the double D battery, like plug it, like the little, no, 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 no. I'm talking about a Hitachi magic wand. Like, so I should get a kickback from them, but I don't, <laughs> they don't know me, but type into a, a search engine, Hitachi magic wand, right? This is a Japanese plug in the wall back massager. And it's a uh, you know, a uh, wall-based power, like, you know, it's like hard work. <laughs> and, and, and what we need to do is we need to buy a plug in the wall vibrator, and a water-based lubricant because a water-based lubricant increases, increases the sensitivity to skin. And then you apply the water-based lubricant and then you apply the Hitachi magic wand where it feels good. Head of the penis, shaft of the penis, under the testicles, labia majora, minora, clitoris, wherever. And the idea here is to provide what I call overdrive stimulation. Let me explain. Right now, I'm talking to you using a indoor voice. Even though I'm outside uh, in my backyard, there's no noise here really. And, and there's no interference between my mouth and the microphone. So I just talk at like a normal voice and you can hear me just fine. Mm -hmm. But imagine that I was having a dinner party in my backyard and I've got people all over the place and they're talking and chatting and clinking glasses and eating and whatnot. And so there's a lot of ambient noise in the back. Well, I would have to provide overdrive stimulation. I would have to scream to overcome the interference to get my voice to the microphone. In a similar fashion, when you have spinal cord damage from MS, when you have spinal cord damage and the down there's get stimulated, the message has to go up the spinal cord to get to the brain and it can die along the way, just like when there's interference from a lot of noise in a dinner party. So what we need to do is provide overdrive stimulation. So when you apply a water-based lubricant to the down there's, and then you apply this, this powerful plug in the wall vibrator, it will provide enough overdrive stimulation to force the message up to the brain. So the brain's like, I did not know that. Awesome. And then the brain can respond in turn. And very often uh, a Hitachi magic wand, best 60 bucks you'll ever spend and a water-based lubricant can be a game changer for both men and women 
overcoming primary sexual dysfunction in the bedroom. I love that too, because that's definitely something that I think is just naturally thought of as just for women. So opening up that conversation nope. that, Hey, it's for anyone. It's for anyone that would like to have sex. And I should point out that it can be used by yourself. It can be used before intercourse. One of my fave recommendations is to literally use it during intercourse. You can place the Hitachi magic wand between you and your partner so that you're both being stimulated during intercourse and that will assist and so, you know, think of it as like a tag team wrestling, you know, partner, um, it can help out. And, um, you know, and, and so it's a tool. Now, one other thing, uh, since we're talking about sex, is that the, another really, really, really important tip, maybe more important than the Hitachi magic wand, is talking to your lover, right? It's talking to your partner. Because all too often, you have some concerns as you enter into the bedroom, concerns just about life, concerns about sex, but then concerns about maybe your MS and, and issues that may arise. And your partner may have some concerns. And if you're not talking about it, you're doomed not to be able to sort them out adequately. So having a discussion about, hey, listen, the fly in Walinda where you put my legs behind my back, that causes spasms of my butt and it hurts and I can't do that today, right? Or I can't expend energy in doggy style today, I really, really need us to discuss different positions. All right. So I'm not trying to be overly graphic on your podcast. I apologize. But my point is the more engaging of a genuine conversation that you can have with your partner before sex, during sex, after sex, the more likely you're going to be successful and, and be able to communicate. And, and all too often, you'd be shocked and surprised that your partner's delighted to learn this information from you because they want to be an active participant. So, all right, I'll be quiet. No, those are all such amazing tips. So you, we've got a vibrator that we can use. We've got pelvic floor physical therapy. We've got communication. Is there anything else? So, you know, one thought is also yeah. potentially medication. At what point do you feel, at what point do you bring medication in versus these other things? Let's talk about medication, but let's talk about another modality that's very, very helpful before we get to medication. And it's one that you may have heard of called physical therapy. <laughs> so sex is an active activity, all right? And so if you think about the things that we want physically to have sex, they happen to be the same things that we want in MS. So I, I think it's worth bringing up because the more effort at physical therapy that you spend, the better you'll be in the bedroom. Blunt, mm -hmm. true facts. So what are you trying to accomplish when you're trying to optimize someone in physical therapy and MS? Well, if I just summarize four things, right? Core strengthening, really good idea. Flexibility, decent idea. Cardiovascular endurance is, you know, really, really good. And what am I just blanking on? Balance. So those are all relevant in sex. And, and my point is, if you have a weak core, or if you're really, really, really tight in your leg, you know, your leg's not stretched out, it's going to be harder to have sex. Mm -hmm. So doing your PT exercises pre-intercourse, doing your stretching exercise pre-intercourse and staying physically active and fit is important so that you can optimize. So I just wanted to throw that out there and uh, hopefully uh, the, you know, it's not lost on you, <laughs> right. but, but um, I, I think that's a really overlooked aspect yeah. And I think it also goes in combination with some of the other things you've mentioned. I've had patients before who will plan, like they'll communicate with their partner on when 
they're going to have sex. And then she will plan, you know, 30 minutes before she goes into the bedroom and she does her stretching and her exercises there. So, you know, having that communication so that you're not caught off guard can make it easier to implement some of these things. hundred percent. And that's an awesome example of both taking advantage of knowledge and physical therapy and communication so that hopefully Saturday was fantastic. You know, let's talk about medicine because medicine can be helpful. And all too often we talk about Viagra for men. So let's do that last. Let's instead talk about three medicines that four medicines, five medicines that can help women with sex. Because I hear way too often, like there's no medicines for women and that's false. All right. So first of all, oftentimes we have to treat depression in MS, right? For men and women. Yeah. And there's one antidepressant too that tend not to have sexual dysfunction. And so I pick those on purpose. And so Wellbutrin, Bupropion, is an antidepressant that does not impair sexual function. And so that's very important. And if you were feeling sad and I put you on a standard SSRI and then you lost your ability to enjoy sex, you might be more sad. So I think paying attention and if choosing an antidepressant, I'm going to go with Wellbutrin unless there's a reason not to. Now, if that's a problem because of whatever side effects or intolerability, Pristique is another new age antidepressant that in my experience anecdotally tends to have less sexual side effects. So that's the first medical intervention to make the bedroom better. All right. Now, the second thing is if you have what's called dyspareunia, which is a terrible word that means sexual or sensation to the down there's or or sexual sensation actually hurts. Mm -hmm. All right. Which is not fun. Then we want to use lotions and potions and we can use Mbalta. These are neuropathic pain medicines, which will help neuropathic pain down there also. So we may need to treat neuropathic pain before we're able to really get into having intercourse so that the area doesn't hurt. If there is a problem with arousal and adequate lubrication and kind of that whole aspect of sex. Yes, we can use a water-based lubricant to create, you know, to assist with lubrication. That's easy, but we can do more than that. We can use estrogen creams. So estrogen creams applied to the vulva, not only um, help with providing estrogen to the organs of interest without making the whole body experience estrogen, but also uh, they can help with in, in increasing blood flow to the vulva and increasing lubrication that way. A favorite medicine of mine that I like to prescribe is a compounded cream called Scream Cream. Literally. <laughs> um, Scream Cream is a compounded cream that has theophylline and Viagra and some other things in it. And so you apply it on the vulva and it forces blood flow in. It's really fantastic. Its name is aptly appropriately named <laughs> Scream Cream. There's also some pills for women. There's a pill called Addy, A-D-D-Y-I, right? Addy was a medicine that was uh, originally developed and tested for depression and it didn't work, right? So it was a failure. It was a failed medicine, didn't help depression. But when they looked at the data, they found a remarkable side effect amongst only women. It made these women horny. It made them sexually aroused. And so they went back and they restudied the medicine this time to look at female hyposexual dysfunction, which like low libido and gosh, darn it, if it doesn't work. And so there's a medicine that you can prescribe a woman. She takes a pill once a day and it actually helps with libido, which is phenomenal. And uh, just to round things out, there's actually an injection that you can give yourself sub Q, a compound called PT141. 
um, PT141. Uh, this is you know, something I've only seen through urologists. And that's another medicine that can help with female libido quite substantially. So pharmacologically, there's a lot of stuff that we can do. Mm-hmm. And so would you first revert to those things we talked about first, where the communication, the vibrator, all those things? I, when I'm talking about sex, I go over all the options that seem appropriate. And then we, as a group, discuss the ones we do and don't want to do. Mm. Um, and, you know, to your point, I would start with easy stuff and less invasive stuff and then get more invasive. Mm-hmm. Now, if we talk about, you know, so it would be reasonable, for example, go purchase a plug in the wall vibrator, Hitachi Magic Wand, go get a water-based lubricant, have a conversation with your spouse. Uh, let's try to get off this one medicine that we're worried about. Stretch out before intercourse. Let's talk in a month. Right. Um, and then, and then, you know, so that might be the way that we kick things off. Mm-hmm. Um, if we talk about men in sexual dysfunction in medicines, all of the same comments about antidepressants are all there. And, and so that, that applies. And all of the same comments about polypharmacy and reducing medicines that cause problems, that's all there. Then we get into uh, medicines to help with erectile function. And so I have to ask a gentleman, do you have an adequate erection for vaginal penetration? Do you have difficulties in obtaining an erection, maintaining an erection or ejaculating, you know, kind of discuss those details because it's important. And there are medicines. There's actually plenty of medicines. So many of us have heard of the little blue pill Viagra uh, and Viagra can be very, very helpful. 50 or hundred milligrams. Generally, I always remind guys it's good after dinner mint. Uh, there's other, uh, drugs in the same class. Cialis is a commonly prescribed one. There's once a day Cialis. Um, there's other things we can do. So pre pills, there were shots. Where do the shots go in the side of the penis, right? So, so that sounds not fun, except they're extremely effective. So these inner bulbar cavernosis, um, penile injections can be extremely effective. And if pills don't work, uh, that's an option. That PT-141 off-label has been used in men uh, to, and, and can be very effective anecdotally in helping erections. You know, another huge, gigantic thing to think about for gentlemen is, is measuring testosterone levels. And men with MS that have low testosterone can have a faster progression of neurological disability, mm. and they can have worsening cognitive impairment. This is, these are facts. But also, they can have difficulty in the bedroom. And all too often, uh, I'll test a guy's testosterone. It's actually really low. And so if it's low, maybe the biggest pharmacologic intervention we make is we give the guy testosterone. And that helps on multiple domains. Wow. This has been so insightful. I feel like anyone listening who hasn't brought this up to their neurologist or, or any of their doctors for that matter already has so many tips that they can now either implement on their own or you can go to your neurologist armed with more information and ask the right questions. I hope so. And and let me throw out a pro tip real quick. Sometimes it's embarrassing to say I have trouble getting an erection or I can't achieve orgasm. Right. And and so that can be a barrier because like, you just don't want to say that. Mm -hmm. So write it down, like write down a list of like three questions for your doctor. Like what color is the sun? You know, how was your day? how do you fix erectile? You know, and, and then you can sort of hand it to your doctor, say, hey, I have some questions today and hand it to them. And that's a way of getting them to know that you are having some difficulties in the down there's without having to speak the words out loud and feel embarrassed. Also, if you're going to talk about sex, 
plan who comes with you that day, right? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes, for example, I screen for sexual dysfunction with every new consult, but, and it's very important to me during the course of a new consultative visit that I help the family know that I am comfortable talking about the down theirs. But if you're there with mom and dad or with grandma, then typically what I'll say is, you know, uh, at this point in the conversation, normally I would ask you about sexual function, but I don't do that in front of mom and dad. So we're going to talk about that next time. And it's my hope. What I've done is I've communicated sex is a thing. I'm cool talking about it. Could be a problem. Talk about it later. Um, and so I just bring up to you, if it's something that's top of mind that you want to make sure that you're discussing with your neurologist or urologist, what have you, think about who you're bringing. <laughs> Maybe yeah. don't bring grandma that visit. Right. And that's a good way too. even from the patient side of things, if they don't want to talk about it that day, they could even maybe mention that it is something they want to talk about, but maybe next time they have other priorities for this. Visit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I am. Um, I want to tell you a quick story, a fantastic young man diagnosed with MS when he was a teenager and we gave him a really effective drug and it worked and he got really quiet disease to the extent that he was lost to follow up. Right. So that part's not fantastic, but it's, it was born out of the fact that he's doing great. And so we haven't heard from him in a while. Right. And then I'm in clinic one day and my team comes back and says, Hey, Aaron, I'm going to say the guy's name is Mike. All right. Um, Mike's here. And I said, really? Oh my gosh, that's really awesome. They said, no, he doesn't have an appointment. He just showed up. And I said, oh, that's weird. They said, no, and he won't leave the lobby. He's demanding on seeing you right now. And oh, so this wow. is not like Mike normally. It's unusual behavior. So, all right, well, room him. So stick him in a room. So they put him in a room. And then in between patients, I go in and see him. And he's sitting there. And I said, Mike, it's so awesome to see you. How you been? He goes, I have a problem. And I said, well, apparently. He goes, well, I need <laughs> to talk to you right away. And I said, well, obviously, you just barged into my clinic. And I said, well, what's the issue? He says, I have a girlfriend and I need Viagra. Bruce, <laughs> swear to God, two story. So this this young man who had been completely lost to follow up, like barges it. So so I give him a prescription and he leaves. And when I come back out, my team's kind of like waiting, like because they were scared because they loved this guy and they they were worried something bad was going on. So what's wrong? What you know? And I said, well, the next time a twenty something boy demands to be seen in clinic, we now know why. So, right. Um, and and I'm happy to report that the Viagra was very helpful. That's <laughs> good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> oh my. Well, yeah, I mean, that's just also goes to show how important of a conversation this is to have for those that are having trouble in this area. hundred percent. Yep. hundred percent. It's very, yeah. very, it's nothing to shy away from. Um, and, and it's treatable as we've just been discussing. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to end this show here today, but I feel like we didn't, we hardly touched on bladder, which is a whole nother topic oh that we can talk about too. So we'll have you back at some point to touch would, on a bunch of other. Yeah. We, we have to finish off the rest of the down there. I'll look forward right. to that. Thank you so much. <laughs> well, that's what we'll title the episode, the rest of the down there. <laughs> Sounds good. God bless. Awesome. Take care. Thank you so much. Of course. And if people want to find you, do you have anywhere that you'd like to direct them? Oh, for sure. Thank you. So you can find me on the internet in a couple of places. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, so it's my name, Aaron Boster, MD. So check that out. I try to make a new uh, YouTube video every Monday morning. And I do some live streams on YouTube like once or twice a month because that's super fun for me. I'm on Twitter and on Facebook, Aaron Boster, MD for both. You can find me on LinkedIn. So those are the places on the interwebs. I typically hang, hang out uh, and drop me a comment and, and uh, say hi. Awesome. And we'll put those links in the show notes for everyone, anyone wondering as well. Thank you. Oh, I should. Oh, ooh, ooh, um, my website. Sorry. So check out bostermms.com. So definitely check out our website. Um, so that's the Boster Center for MS, bostermms.com. 
Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much again for being here. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am beyond grateful to have you as a listener. So as a thank you, I have something special just for you. I created a bundle of resources exclusive for the listeners of the Missing Link podcast who are looking for more guidance and tips to champion your life with MS. To get these resources, head over to msinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you loved this episode, it would mean so much to me if you shared it with a friend. Or if you're on social media, take a screenshot right now and post it to your page or your stories and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me get the message out to other MS warriors. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast.